church family. This week we are going to study through Nehemiah chapter 10. If you have Bibles, or just if you just want to listen, Nehemiah chapter 10 is going to be the text that we'll look at this week. On August 2nd, 1776, this is a very important date for us as Americans because this is when uh, Congress members signed the declaration and not every man has been present on July 4th. Uh, but um, you know that July Fourth of that year itself was really the um, the the time where America decided, hey, we don't want to be part of the British uh, Empire anymore, or uh, we we want, we don't want to be under the rule of the British uh, monarchy. Uh, and there was a uh, and you know July Fourth was a significant date because it's the signing of it. But the first and the largest signature, if you ever looked at this picture, is is that of John Hancock. You remember, like, uh, he's one of the founders there, and he he wrote this huge, he signed it in a very huge way. Um, it's still the biggest if you look at it. Uh, I mean, it's designed to basically, uh, for him to say, like, like you don't need any glasses to see it, or uh, the insult that he said that was that even the king on the other side of the ocean would be able to see it. And, um, and again, you get to understand that the tension that was going on at the time, because each of the signees of the Declaration of Independence each of them signed this knowing that what they are doing is actually con is committing high tre treason against the British crown. And um, each of them, as they signed this, are essentially saying that um, we're going to go to war. Uh, we're going to say that we're not part of the British Empire or the British crown anymore. And even Benjamin Franklin said that uh, we all need to hang together. Uh, if, in, th through this, because if we don't hang together through this, we will all be hanged separately. Um, and uh, in fact, another uh, person there that was there, one of the signers there, uh, Benjamin Rush, um, he said that when they signed it, they knew that they were essentially signing their own death warrants. Uh, and the reason why they signed it because they felt conviction and commit, and they were committed to to the idea of the what we call the the. America, the United States, uh, you know, the startings of it, and by separating from the British Crown, they are removing themselves from the protection and you know supplies, everything. So they're kind of branching off on their own. Uh, and we understand that in life there are commitments like these, and they vary in terms of consequences and severity. Uh, the the Congress, when they signed the Declaration of Independence, they saw it as important to the point where they are willing to give their life for it. And we understand in smaller and different scales, we, in, the, in the context of something like marriage, uh, when, you, uh, when you say your I do's afterwards, usually you'll sign, you'll sign um, uh, the, you know, the forms that, that states that you are marrying this other person. You usually have a witness involved. Um, or uh, you do other public type cases where, let's say if you were in a court case and they make you do something public where they say, okay, uh, this, uh, you know, you have to put your hand up and sort of everything you say is but the truth and nothing but the truth. Um, or if you're a medical person, when you do the white coat ceremony, there's this, this oath that you take. And all of these different things from the signing of the Declaration of Independence of Marriage to court cases and you know, white coat ceremonies, all of these things are just a public declaration, declaration of what you will do. Um, uh, and you'll receive the consequences if you fail to uphold the things that you vow or the things that you promise. Um, so, you know, if it's if a court case, if you lie, you commit perjury, and then that's, you know, you get fined for it or, or jail time. 
if you fail to uh, be faithful in your marriage, uh, then the result of that is uh, divorce. If you fail to um, com- uh, fulfill your roles as a doctor or physician, uh, or, or you fulfill that oath for those that are medical people, then you lose your license. And we understand that uh, when people make public declarations, these are ways in which other people know how committed they are to whatever they want to promise themselves to do. So that's what we actually see in chapter 10 of Nehemiah. You recall last week, uh, they were singing or writing this poem about the Lord, uh, and it uh, it was because of their repentance they saw. Uh, they, they start hearing and learning about God and who He is, and it forced them to understand that they've sinned against Him. So they uh, wrote this song or poem that uh, encapsulates their whole history from, from basically Abraham all the way to this point, and they can't help but see that it is God's faithfulness. Uh, that was, that's just a continual faithfulness, and the thing that's constantly changing is the Israelites. They keep placing their faith in the Lord, and and worshiping other gods, and they repent, and then they uh, again fall back into their idol worship, and it keeps going over and over again. So these people here in Nehemiah 10, they want to be, they want to be that generation that's faithful. They want to be those generation that lets everyone know that they're not going to fall into the same traps of the past. That they're going to, they want to sever the ties from those in the past, their forefathers, and want to live. Um, faithfully from this point on and we i'll start from chapter 9 verse 38 and we'll go into chapter 10. now because of all this we are making agreement in writing and on the sealed document are the names of our leaders our, our levites and our priests chapter 10 now on the sealed documents were the names of nehemiah the governor the son of hakaliah and zedekiah and then from 12 to eight, there's a list of names of the, these are all the different priests that are there: Sarai, Azariah, Jeremiah, Pashur, Amariah, Malchijah, Hatusha, Shebaniah, Maluk, Harim, Meramoth, Obadiah, Daniel, Ginaioth, Baruch, Meshulam, Abijah, Mijanatmin, Maziah, Bilgiah, Shemaiah. These were the priests. Uh, these were uh, the priests that were um, supposed to you know, do the offerings. Um, uh, or the priests in terms of helping uh, uh, fulfill all the um, religious activities. Um, so, and then and verse 9, And the Levites, Jeshua, the son of Azaniah, Benua, the sons of Hedadad, Kemdel, and their brothers, Shudaniah, Hosadiah, Kelkab, Pelaniah, Hanai, Mekai, Rohab, Hashabiah, uh, Zakor, Zerabiah, Jerbaniah, Hobadiah, Bani, Benu, Benu, um and then from 14 to 27, they start showing all the leaders there. And then again, these are a whole bunch of names that you can read on your own if you like, because uh, I think I'm probably butchered like at least one of their names. Uh, but you see that there's different rankings of different people that are um, committing their life to uh, being faithful. And these are the leaders. And some of these are groups of families. Some of these are just individuals uh, that are high in their position. Um, but they are all committing to faithfully obey and to follow God's law. Verse, verse 28. Now the rest of the people, the priests, the Levites, the gatekeepers, the singers, the temple servants, and all those who had separated themselves from the people of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, all those who had knowledge and understanding. Uh, it's interesting because they said they want to separate themselves from land, meaning that even though they're there in Israel, they don't want to be with others, not in terms of like proximity, but in terms of their lifestyle. Um, they'll be in the world, but not of the world. And they said that all those that had knowledge and understanding, meaning that 
whatever age they are, when they can comprehend the, uh, the word of God and, and um, if they understand what it's saying, they are held accountable to what they know. Verse 49, um, are joining with their kinsmen, their nobles, and are taking on themselves a curse and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given through Moses, God's servant, and to keep and to observe all the commandments of God, our Lord, and his ordinances and his statutes. So this is really a, a throwback to um, the, the Mosaic covenant and that they said if they obey God, they'll be blessed by God. If they disobey God, they'll be cursed by God. And they want to do that. They want to be able to, uh, I guess, trust in the Lord. And, and, and at the same time, if they're unfaithful and they're not trusting in God, they want to experience God's uh, cursing. And again, both sides, whether it's blessing or curse, actually reveals to uh, them that God is indeed a faithful God, that he's true to his word, whether it's blessing or, or, or cursing. Verse 30, and that we will not give our daughter to the peoples of the land or take their daughter for our son. Again, this is the intermarriage kind of thing. Uh, we saw this back in the end of Ezra and um, how there's individuals that decide to marry foreign women and foreign men. And again, this is an issue of ethnic, like, eth like a biracial marriage kind of thing. This is an issue in terms of religion. Uh, when people married off their kids to other nations that are essentially giving them out to another religion altogether so this is not again not a, it's not the bible's not this is not saying the bible is saying you cannot marry people from other races but rather you are not allowed to marry those of different faith and we see this principle apply in second corinthians 7 that we we can't be unequally yoked this principle kind of carries through that you can't marry someone who is uh, that doesn't believe in jesus christ Verse 31, as for the peoples of the land who bring wares of or any grains on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or a holy day. We will forego the crops the seventh year and the ex extraction of every debt. So the, the exaction of every debt. So this is, again, them saying we will we will obey them, um, the Lord every sense of the word. They're going to work for six days and the rest on the seventh. Uh, in the seventh year, there's a year of Jubilee where they forgive all the debts. Um, and you know, give back the land that belongs to other people, they, they, that's what they're going to do. They're going to commit themselves to doing everything that God's word has said to them. Verse 32, uh, we also place ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of our shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the continual grain offering, for the continual burnt offering, the Sabbath, the new moons, for appointed time, for the holy things, and for sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and all the works of the house of our God. Likewise, we cast lots for the supply of wood among the priests, the Levites, and the people, so that they might bring it to the house of our God, according to our Father's household at fixed times annually, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in law. And that they might bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruits of every tree to the house of the God, house of the Lord annually, and bring to the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and our cattle and the firstborn of our heads and our flocks, as written in law for the priests who are ministering in the house of our God. So what this whole section was saying is that they are going to constantly bring things to the temple, and you have to understand in the terms of the temple system, the the. Uh, even the, the way that God divided the land of Israel, the, the Levites, the priests, they actually did not have their own land. All the other 11 tribes were able to have property, 
uh, but the Levites uh, are unique in that they could live in all of them. They don't have their own property, but they have they uh, they don't have their own like cut in the land. But they live in every single one of them because they're supposed to uh, you know make sacrifices to the Lord. And what they're doing here is that they they're saying we're going to constantly bring our offerings to the Lord, and it shows this commitment to the to, to the to the Lord and in the temple of the Lord and the in in making sure that the temple has enough uh, supplies for the priests to do their job and as well as uh, them to do their offerings uh, to the Lord. Verse 37, we will also bring the first of our dough, our contribution, the fruits of every tree, the new wine and the oil to the priests at the chambers of the house of our God and the tithe of our ground to the Levites. The Levites are they who receive the tithes in all the rural towns. The priests, the sons of Aaron, shall be with the Levites, men uh, when the Levites receive tithes, and the Levites shall bring up tenth of the tithe to the house of our God, to the chambers of the storehouse. For the sons of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of the grain and new wine and the oil to the chambers. There are the utensils of the sanctuary, the priests who are ministers, the gatekeepers, and the singers. Thus we shall not neglect the house of our God. So again, they're said when they said they want to bring the first, they're saying that they're going to bring the absolute best. They want to give the best dough and the fruits and even uh, dedicating their children. This isn't like sacrificing their kids, but rather uh, they want to, uh, to say that this firstborn is going to commit their life to faithfully following the Lord. And we're going to do our best as parents to teach the kids um, God's word. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6. Um, so all of this is actually very interesting because when they were moved by God's word, they eventually were uh, confessing their sins and this led them to uh, obedience in the way that they worshiped the Lord as a group, as an entire congregation. And, uh, you know, a, a big portion of this chapter is about what they're supposed to do inside the temple and for the priest and for uh, those that are um, doing the work of the ministry. So this week, we're going to actually talk about how, um, what commitment looks like in our church. Uh, how commitment looks like. And there's a public aspect to this. When we commit our life to the church, it's not just committing in our heart and we're like separated and not doing anything. There is a commitment um, in, a, in a public sense. Now, I know we're in COVID-19, but at this point of the recording, um, and listen, even in the context of our church, we are slowly uh, transitioning back in. Uh, some of the fellowship groups are coming back in, uh, and even some of our uh, potentially some of our Sunday worship is going to return soon too. Um, so I hope that with this, as we're slowly entering back into our church and public worship, that we have a better understanding, a better resolve in the way that we worship publicly together as a church. So uh, to prepare for our hearts and mind for that day when we return, I'm going to have three propositions for us to think about this week. Um, and that is this. The first is that when you have public uh, declarations, uh, there are certain things that we do to church that is, is, is public, and we're going to do some things that public declare. There's going to be some things that we do publicly that we're going to declare openly, uh, because this is what God's word has to say. Second, there's a pu public commitment. Uh, there's a commitment within the group of Israelites that they are um, faithfully doing, not not just committing uh, to one another, but things that they do together um, for uh, the Lord in the temple. And lastly, we'll look at a public offering. Uh, where people, and as we see, just walking through the text, how God's people uh, give. We give our offering, not strictly for mainly the teachers, but primarily because we want to give to the Lord as an as act of worship to Him. So we're going to look at this week, um, as we 
you know, moving back into the church, uh, what are some ways we could commit ourselves to the church? There's three things that we need to commit ourselves to do publicly, uh, so that, because that's what the Bible has to say. And I hope that this was going to be a helpful study as we are moving towards returning soon. And I look forward to seeing all of you. Um, but until then, thank you for listening, and I hope that the study this week will be helpful and beneficial to you. Take care. Thank you.